This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this week's episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping project managers sharpen their project management skills. I'm your host, Matthew Douglas, Operations Leader with the Engineering Management Institute. And in today's episode, I'll be speaking with Arthur Antoine, a civil engineer and senior project manager at Mott McDonald with over 20 years of experience in the construction industry. Arthur will be talking with us today about the importance and benefits of a collaborative project delivery method and shed light on the key characteristics that encourage collaboration amongst project managers. Let's jump into today's episode. Before we dive in, we'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Now let's dive into today's episode. All right, it's now time for our PM Conversation of the Week with Arthur Antoine from Mott McDonald. Arthur, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Well, all right, Matthew. So, Arthur, can you give us a brief introduction about yourself and uh, give us a little bit of a background on your academic career and uh, also your construction career? And what do you do for Mott McDonald? Starting off my career as a civil engineer since 2003. Young civil engineer, I got my engineering degree from the University of the West Indies in Trinidad and Tobago. Although I'm originally from St. Lucia in the Caribbean, then worked uh, for a UK engineering consulting company called Halcro. Worked for them throughout the Caribbean on regional infrastructure development projects. Then moved on, did a master's in ocean engineering at Texas A&M University. Fortunately, uh, they wrote to that economic downturn between 09 2010. I moved back to the Caribbean and continued my career with Halcro, which was eventually acquired by CH2, which is now Jacobs. At that point, I moved on from being a young engineer, I believe, on, on more designs into more senior roles, resident engineer, owner's representation, business development, project management, really. After another about five years, I moved on to work for a multilateral development bank, the Caribbean Development Bank projects or portfolio projects all disaster mitigation projects in the island of St. Vincent on the Grenadines. So that was a great experience, like program management level. And then post that, I got to the University of Colorado Boulder, where I pursued my PhD in construction engineering and management, all focused on alternative project delivery, different types of project delivery methods, studying the empirical performance on USRE construction projects and on FHWA sponsored research study. 
Post that, I worked for Shrewsbury and Associates as a senior project manager based in Denver in the transportation industry. And then more recently, I've transitioned to working for Mott McDonald now uh, as a senior project manager, now more heavily in, involved in water, wastewater industry. I think I can relate to a lot. Being involved on the water resources side, that's in fact how I started my career. And then I started to pivot over into construction. And I think that are that the two fields kind of have a lot in common, a lot to do with each other, very closely tied. But I mean, like you've done a lot in such a, a short amount of time, like it's pretty inspirational being able to to get your doctorate in construction management. Like, what was that like for you? Like, what was that process like for anybody that is looking or interested in getting their doctorate in uh, engineering? Well, I could only speak for myself. For myself, I feel I always had that academic vocation. So I was looking for schools globally to pursue um, that PhD for a while. And see you all that a great personal touch you and, and we looked at prospective projects on an advisor and, and Professor Keith Molinar or Dr. Keith Molinar who's now transitioned to being the dean of the engineering. I speak it again for myself personally that drive to learn what's out there. For myself, I always thought that when I do a self-assessment, I feel like if something's lacking, I got to go learn more about it. So construction management being my forte and my career as a construction manager or project manager, I wanted to study in particular contracting methods, contracting selection, different forms of project delivery. And that's what led me to see a border eventually. So for anybody who, who's aspirational academically, again, they got to follow their passion. So let's talk a little bit about collaboration in your field. And I mean, I know that collaboration is often emphasized as a crucial aspect of successful project delivery, but could you discuss the benefits of collaborative project delivery and the specific advantages that it brings to your table? Well, let me say collaborative project delivery methods these days. I think the, the two of us that was transitioned from a lot of people refer to them as alternative project delivery methods and alternative to the historical or the traditional design bid build project delivery method. So for example, when we think of collaborative project delivery methods these days, we think of the design build project delivery method or the CMGC, construction manager, general contractor delivery method. And the benefits of those delivery methods are, are numerous, but in a nutshell, they save costs, they Im could improve constructability, make it an easier project to build, they enhance quality and innovation, they have the potential to reduce construction schedules, overcome supply chain challenges, and um, overall, it could even reduce the life cycle cost of projects. Could you delve into a little bit more about the construction manager, general contractor delivery method? Tell us a little bit more about that. We can use the acronym CMGC, or some people know it as, as CMER, construction manager at risk. And yeah, I wasn't sure if we had time to delve into the structural or contractual structure of each method. CMGC in particular is a form where, well, let's start with design bid build in which it's a traditional method where an entity wanted to build a project would hire a designer or an engineer to complete 100% designs and then get those designs and then put the project out to bid on a market for the construction contractor to be awarded the contract to build whatever that project is. Design and build 
is the case where that agency who wants to build a project may just prepare preliminary designs with performance requirements and then solicit a, a design-built entity, which could be an engineer, but more popularly a contractor that design-built entity. That's a team of a construction contractor, maybe subcontractors, and maybe numerous sub-discipline design leads to design and build that, that project. Now, CMGC is a case in which where the agency would, again, hire a designer to design a project and hire the construction manager, who may be a, most likely be a contractor, and the construction manager who offers, who comes on board early, very early during the design process, and that brings the advantage of having their insight on how to build a project, constructability reviews, or for in the long run to end up with a, call it an easier-to-build project, hopefully less change orders, hopefully lower cost. And at some point during the design development, whatever percentage of design, 30%, 50% that agency is comfortable with, they would solicit a price to build the project from that CM. And if they like that price and award the contract to that construction manager, that's when that construction manager transitions into the general contract, that's the GC portion. And then that GC could go on and build that project with subs, et cetera. How does the traditional method of project delivery differ from the the non-traditional methods, you know, the, like the CMGC that you were just uh, explaining about now, are there any other methods that you use in particular other than CMGC throughout your processes? The traditional is indispensable despite the availability um, with the proper legislation of the alternatives or collaborative project delivery methods. But this design build in particular tends to be a go-to for a lot of agencies. Um, let's call it in some cases, if it's done right, less administrative burden by handing over the design function and the construction function to a single entity. Again, you have the option of design and construction happening at the same time to hopefully reduce the overall project schedule or time it will take to finish that project. And there's other advantages of, of the design-build method. I mean, notably the Design-Build Institute of America and the DBIA released a very recent study proclaiming that design build by 2026 would account for almost 50% of all construction and, and that's about a $1.9 trillion in spending, even with a looming recession in the greater industry. And then there's the various forms of design build. Um, another popular one right now is known as progressive design build, which is very similar to CMGC in which they bring on that, that agency would bring on that design build much earlier during the design process work through together. Again, a collaborative culture, collaborative environment to get the project done successfully together. A lot of people can learn from this that there are definitely different methods out there that can be learned about in your early stages. I mean, I remember being, you know, getting through school and just learning about design build, design big build processes there, not exactly learning about the method that you just described, you know, construction manager, general contractor. So it's very interesting that you presented that. But do you have any, you know, recommendations or any key characteristics really that a person might have to have in order to encourage that collaboration amongst their team members? Like how could a person or an individual in your field specifically encourage collaboration between their project team? At the end of the day, there's a behavioral aspect. I mean, we all humans interacting to get the job done to get to work, get to the office and fulfill the duties of our nine to five. So I think 
foster collaboration, we definitely need to focus on emotional intelligence, the so-called softer side of things, empathy, a general acceptance or a mutual respect of what each person or what each entity brings to the table when you think of our industry in terms of getting a project done. That helps to foster trust, which can lead to people valuing what each person brings to the table, a general mutual respect, so to speak. And with that sort of new attitude, I think we could overcome a lot of the challenges of, of being in the construction and engineering industry because whatever the problem or challenge may be, I think uh, however complex or the more complex it is, I think by fostering collaboration is how we could overcome some of these challenges and bring a diversity of ideas together to find feasible or realistic solutions to move forward. I think why not versus coming to the table with an adversarial or antagonistic um, mindset? In my opinion, like one of the largest parts of project management in general is communication, which ties directly into collaboration. And, you know, like you have to be a specific type of individual in order for you to become a project manager in the first place. You know, you have to be active, you have to be social, you have to have emotional intelligence. That's probably a huge part of it as well. And also just having the knowledge and the acumen to actually understand what's going on within your projects, within your company. How do you facilitate that collaboration in between your team members? Like, is there a favorite method that you have? For instance, for me, I would actually uh, try to foster like closer communication, like uh, we would be phone calls, text messages, emails, always there. Having cloud-based server tools such as like Google Documents or Google Sheets or something of that nature, Microsoft Teams, those things actually help me a lot with collaboration within my teams to actually get quicker communication. So what tools do you use to facilitate? I believe all of the but all of the above applies in the right context or the right setting. Nothing beats direct face-to-face uh, charismatic conversation and, and looking somebody in the eye to deliver maybe sometimes a difficult message. But the means and methods are numerous these days, especially with all the, the plethora of software out there with virtual design and construction techniques and programs out there with, with numerous PMIS or project management information systems out there. Not to go on a marketing spiel, but whether it's a BIM or a Proc or Autodesk um, software, I think the tools to foster collaboration and or communication are out there. But we have to think of, call it a people first attitude in terms of how these people will use the, these tools and processes to effect, how they would use them effectively to meet the goal of the project or the functional purpose on the project. And that's where I believe we need to think of how we set the parameters of using all these tools and all these communication methods or means or media. And I believe how we could do that is by documenting collectively how we're going to go about using them on our projects. And we could do that through communication plans, project management plans, even construction quality management plans. Even very earlier on, the teaming agreement is, is like new and it's critical to setting the standard and expectations, aligning expectations and understandings of that project team and the major players in that project team or any project team towards success eventually. Tech is really just growing. Obviously, it's growing, but it's really taking over the construction space as well. 
because now we have so many different softwares and tools out there that we can actually use to collaborate on our projects, just making things so much easier. You, you had also said something that was pretty critical for me earlier, the virtual design and construction. And I think that that's something that's going to be very new and very uh, forthcoming in our industry in particular, because I think that a lot of people are just used to construction being a very hands-on thing. Like, you know, being in the modulus there on the actual field where the, while the construction projects are actually going on. Could you tell us a little bit more about virtual design and construction? And if you guys use them at Mott McDonald, what's your experience is like using that? At Mott McDonald, we definitely have those capabilities and virtual design and construction in our industry is, is definitely not going out anywhere. Me personally, I've had experience using BAMLIS for one project. Again, first person I'm fairly new to March. On one project, we brought a team of the architect, the structural engineer, the MPP and team personnel or, or consultant, myself, the civil engineering team together for, to meet the goal of designing and getting into construction on one particular project, the expansion of a significant um, transportation facility. And very fostered us being a step ahead, a step ahead of, of utility clashes, a step ahead of, of being able to visualize in 3D, what each person or what each entity was, was designing in that run model. So the functionality is under the, these techniques and software, the availability and the functionality is only going to increase. And I think we need to be a step ahead of the game in terms of learning what's out there and how we could put them onto our projects. I would encourage most construction firms to really take note of what's going on right now. I mean, especially the, the trends in AI development there are AI softwares out there that are super helpful to our industries in particular, you know, with quantifying uh, totals, helping you with bid estimates on your projects. It's, it's kind of crazy now to see what they're actually able to do, making our job so much easier. You know, dealing with infrastructure in the next couple of years and how uh, the United States is going to be flooding a ton of money into infrastructure for AEC firms. We really need to have like accountable use for all of those funds given to our public agencies. So in that context, why is collaboration particularly crucial for the successful execution of those projects? And what are the potential consequences or risks if collaboration is not prioritized in using those funds effectively? Well, the consequences, I'm sure, in every jurisdiction or worldwide, we could probably point at one or two or more projects that are, are born over schedule or born way over budget. You say it's going to happen. It's happening now with the Infrastructure Improvements Jobs Act or some people call it the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act. There's possibly over $1.2 trillion that has been flooded to rebuild America on every sector from transportation, broadband, electric vehicles, water, water resources, etc. There's funds out there available for the public entities or owner agencies to go out there and get these projects done. And these projects are being built up or designed and engineered by, like you say, the innocent private sector companies. But yeah, there's a general responsibility of using these funds, using these public funds. And with the availability of these collaborative project delivery methods now and the advantages they bring, as I said, in terms of uh, reducing costs, uh, Shortening schedules, improving quality, enhancing constructability, improving life cycle, project costs. I feel we can't avoid but to look at some of these collaborative project delivery methods and see 
if, where, and how they could apply to our particular projects, depending on our project characteristics, and apply those to gain some of those benefits and use these funds efficiently. I can't say that the traditional design bid would just be disposed of. There are cases where it is a functionally efficient method, but even in design bid build, we could approach you with a real mindset, a new attitude that we come to the table and, and are willing and ready to collaborate with this being adversarial with other project entities. And what are some of the obstacles that you see with collaboration in your field? In terms of obstacles, I feel, again, it's going out to the human nature thing. It's a mindset, it's an attitude, it's interaction of people being open-minded or willing to foster collaboration. We're willing to accept what each project entity brings to the table. The main obstacles are down to human nature. Of course, in terms of some of the project delivery methods in terms of in some sectors or some agencies, some public agencies need certain federal legislation to be able to use some of these methods. So that's another factor. As a matter of fact, I actually had um, experienced that personally as well, working with like city council and waiting for approval on certain project deliverables uh, to be approved before moving on. But you're absolutely right with collaboration and communication really being limited down to human you know, efficiency and error in some cases. This is where those tools that we discussed earlier really come into play, eliminating as much as possible the chance of human error, although it's still going to be there in some form, shape, or regard. Now, we are actually going to take a quick break, and we're going to get into our PM pitfall segment, where Arthur is going to give us some advice on how to avoid some PM pitfalls in this industry. All right, everyone, we are back with Arthur Antoine with Mott McDonald, and we are now going to go into our PM pitfall segment. So, Arthur, what is one of the largest PM pitfalls that you experience in your industry, and how do you recommend to avoid that pitfall for everyone out there? I think the go-to is communication, which cannot be exhausted or emphasized. But I believe it's more personal. It's an infrequent or check or self-awareness or self-reflection, whichever you want to call it, to assess where you are in your career and where you want to be, and, and or even personally, besides a career, and what shortfalls may, there may be, what strengths you have, or what you want to reinforce, or what you want to refresh. But I think continuous learning, continual education, besides, and that's besides, we may have our professional certifications and do these short courses or webinars or conferences to get these PDHs, but I think supplemental to that, we could go take it another step or another level to see where we could grow. But even just personally, um, even on the emotional intelligence side of things or wherever our personal short quarters may be, we could seek out a mentor, seek out a course, a short course, seek out a class. But I think continual learning and continuous education are critical and if taken for granted, I think that's the biggest pitfall. That's pretty information to know what you just said there about the you know, pitfall being uh, communication and you know how a person actually is. Uh, for me specifically, I think that mental health plays uh, such a large part, not only in who we are right now, but where we're actually going to go in the future. There are certain situations that you're actually given in through life that actually can either propel or hinder your process in becoming like a higher level project manager, learning more about a task, 
that you're doing or a project that you're doing. So I think that that just plays a huge role in there. Arthur, I thank you for joining us today on this episode. We really appreciate all of the you know education that you gave us, all of the uh, things that you taught us about collaboration and also the uh, project management delivery process, which I'm now learning about. You actually taught me something new today. So we want to just thank you for joining us on this uh, TPM podcast. So uh, thanks again. Thank you, Matthew. And thanks to the Engineering Management Institute for the opportunity. I'm always enthusiastic to share the knowledge. So I hope that you all have enjoyed my episode today with Arthur Antoine. Please remember that you can find the show notes for this episode at www.engineeringpmpodcast.com. And there you'll find a summary of all the key points that we discussed in today's episode, as well as any of the links to any resources, websites, or books that we mentioned during this episode. Until next time, I wish you all the very best in your engineering project management endeavors. Take care.